welcome to the Offside Rule WSL edition. I'm Kate Borsay. I'm Lindsay Hooper. We've got a brand new show in store for you this season. We're going to be covering the WSL in depth because we're not all about the World Cup. And I'm back in the studio with Kate for this one. We're going to be doing it with those who know it best, the journos, the coaches and the players. Well, this is going to be the biggest season yet for women's football. And we're here to help you keep up with it all. You need no one else in your pockets, ladies and gentlemen. So if you're brand new to all this and you want a bit of a smooth introduction into the world of women's football, stay tuned. If you're a bit of an expert, if you like to keep across the games anyway, we'll have plenty for you as well. Now, today it's our preview show, taking you through the WSL so that you know where each team stands and so that you can show off to your mates about who really is the best team out there. For me, it's Liverpool. Lindsay, for you, who are your allegiances going with from the start? Arsenal. OK. I admit Liverpool won't win, by the way. Uh, it doesn't stop them from being my favourites. I do think, though, that they will do much better, I have to say, about Liverpool. We'll get an expert opinion, though, as well, because we're not on our own in the studio. Let's introduce our studio guest for the week. I get to see her eyeball to eyeball, because from France, I just heard her voice a lot on the podcast. And uh, her madness. And her madness <laughs> as well. We're going to bring up that in a second. Uh, she's a Wikipedia of women's football, an author with her second book, The Pride of the Lionesses, out next month. She is a dog whisperer we've got that on good authority academic and all-round I've got crazy brilliant woman but apparently she doesn't mind this Dr Carrie Dunn hello hello you don't mind this crazy tag well I have been known to be called slightly eccentric I prefer quirky well yeah I like that more and also why else is Carrie with us because this is you know this is quite some information that we're going to have to digest on today's show previews are always quite intense right we've got a lot to get through we need a touch of Carrie Dunn we need someone who's written books on it that's what we need (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we won't just have Carrie's voice on this on this podcast we'll have some others as well including Man City's Karen Bardsley Man United's Siobhan Chamberlain the goalkeeper union Mm. Uh, we've got Chelsea's Anita Asante and we've got other experts from around the world of women's football so everything you need is right here what a feast so let's recap first of all on last season before we get into this one Arsenal are the reigning champions they did it all without drawing a single match impressive Manchester City Chelsea and Birmingham and were close behind, all achieving 40 points or more. And Man United and Tottenham Hotspur, they were the ones that fought off all the competition in the Championship. They joined the top league this season for the very first time. So with the past dealt with, let's now delve into the future, starting up with the title challenges. This is the Offside Rule WSL edition from Muddy Knees Media. So only one place to start. I'm going to start with a team that I said, Arsenal, because they are the current champions. Few changes to the team here. Notably, we did see the departures of Dutch stars Dominique Bloodworth. She's gone to Wolfsburg. Sari van Wienendal, um, goalkeeper who went to Atletico Madrid. But a steady unit here. And it's something that Joe Montemuro has been working on for some time, isn't it, Carrie? Getting some stability within this squad. Yeah, he's an interesting one. I interviewed him at the end of last season when they just won the title and I asked about the squad because Arsenal in the past couple of years have always had a great squad. The individuals have been brilliant. I mean, they had this kind of phase when Pedro Martinez was in charge of having a lot of great Spaniards. Obviously, then they went to the great Dutch players they've got in and I said, look, how do you start to knit together a squad that's been put together by you know, first Shelley Kerr and then by uh, Martinez Losa and now you want to bring your own players in? And he said that he hasn't had to do that much in terms of kind of changing, uh, obviously, the way they play because in terms of the technique, he's fine with that. In terms of knitting it together, he's looking kind of for attitude. He's a very kind of calming presence. It was kind of a, it was a really relaxed kind of atmosphere, really relaxed attitude. And I can imagine him bringing that to the squad there's obviously going to be pressure on to defend their title, but that pressure is not going to come from him. He expects them to do well and they expect themselves to do well, but it's not going to be kind of a mad chase of this uh, trophy. The impact of Jordan Nobbs, Carrie, just explain what she does as one of those key engine components to this team. I don't think you can overstate Jordan Nobbs' impact on this team. And yes, adding her back in to a title-winning team is just going to be amazing. And it's it's great to see her back as well. She loves Arsenal. She loves being there. Uh, she loves the rest of the team. And everything kind of goes through her. And seeing her and Kim Little play mm-hmm. together is just an incredible experience. It's just so creative. It's it's 
visionary. I know that sounds kind of slightly excessive, exaggerated, but it is. It's incredible to watch. I know it was only a pre-season friendly with Spurs, but when you're talking Jordan Nobbs, this is the calibre of the player. She comes back into the team against Spurs, first shot on goal and she scores. Uh, This is the sort of player, you know, nothing phases her and she clearly is Arsenal through and through. Yeah, you need that amount of clinicalness, if that's a word. Now, a man who knows Arsenal women's team almost as well as Joe Montemuro himself. It's the Arsenal Women podcast host, Tim Stillman. Tim, you've seen the team pre-season. What are your thoughts? How excited are you? Yeah, very, very. It's, um, you know, a few new players coming in as well. And I think during pre-season, during some of the games, you know, the really tough game against Barcelona, Wolfsburg, Bayern Munich. And I think you could see it's going to take a little bit of time for some of those new players to bed in. But obviously much, much better. I mean, they played behind closed doors against West Ham. So I don't don't really know how they played. But against Spurs, they looked, you know, they looked far better, far more cohesive. So, yeah, really, really excited, um, particularly with the Champions League this season as well. Can we have a quick chat about the new goalkeeper, Tim? Because I think this is one position that every Arsenal women fan wants to know. Is she any good? Zinsberger. Um, I have heard that there are occasions where she does make you squirm a little, but is still a very talented player. Yeah, yeah, hugely. I think she's a very Joe Montemoro goalkeeper in that she's a very good footballer. Um, I, I spoke with a Bayern fan during the summer and his, his exact words were, she will give you a heart attack every now and then. She's not afraid of a Cruyff turn. He kind of said that she's a terrific goalkeeper. And uh, I think she played in Euro 2017 when Austria got to the semi-finals, and she was outstanding then as well. And the, the other thing um, that the Bayern fan said to me was that she's an immense character in the dressing room. And I have actually interviewed her already this summer. And she really does come across as, you know, very much larger than life. And uh, her words to me were, I, I want to be loud. Um, so <laughs> right. I think when, when, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think, uh, and I don't think she just means with her voice as well. I think her style of play can be quite, quite loud. But I think that, that's really what what Joe wanted for that position. So I'm, I'm hugely excited to see her as well. I'm envisaging her running out of goal now with her hands in the air, roaring as people try <laughs> to get past her. We'll have to invent the Zinsberger roar, won't we? <laughs> what about World Cup tiredness? Because a lot of internationals in this side, Tim, how are they going to be feeling? I mean, Kim Little, for example, doesn't appear to be very tired at all, uh, scoring five against Cyprus <laughs> last week in one of those qualifiers for Scotland. So um, I'm glad she on form but will anyone be a little bit tired after the World Cup or do you think it's a case of all these players wanting to gel together wanting to get going I think that the only one I'm slightly concerned about is Vivian Miedema so obviously Daniel van der Donk went all the way to the final but I think she's the kind of person who uh, the kind of player who just needs to be running all the time anyway and, and Arsenal have got a fair bit of depth there but with um, with Danielle Carter injured, I think that puts a bit more of a burden on Miedema. I think she went off the other night for Netherlands with a tight hamstring and she hasn't quite looked that sharp in pre-season. Her, her first season at Arsenal as well, she really felt the effects of Euro 2017. So I, I think she's a bit of a concern maybe. that The rest of them, not so much, to be honest. I, I haven't had that kind of that impression and really I think it's only the Dutch players that did significant minutes at the World Cup and well really only two of them in, in Van der Donk and Miedema and I, I'm not worried about DVD at all but Miedema may be slightly more. Thank you very much Tim and we'll be listening out for more from you on the Arsenal Women's Podcast. Great to get you on for this one for the preview. My pleasure. So then I guess the question is, who do we see as the biggest challengers to Arsenal retaining their title? Probably the FA Cup and League Cup champions, Manchester City, you'd say. Uh, Now, for new fans off the back of the Women's World Cup, this is where you get to see lots of the England stars. So you've got Steph Horton, England captain, Ellen White, who's injured, so you won't be seeing so much of her, but eventually, hopefully. Uh, Jill Scott, Georgia Stanway, Demi Stokes. There's lots of England stars, as well as Scotland as well, with Caroline Weir and Canada's Janine Becky. Well, City have rung the changes this summer, though. The mentioned Ellen White coming in but big losses to Nikita Paris who's gone to Leon, Abby McManus gone to Manchester United. Claire Emsley is now over at Orlando Pride, Melissa Lawley at Liverpool and Jen Beattie as we've said is now applying her trade at Arsenal. Aoife Mannion though arrives from Birmingham City. I My... understand that you've got a bit of a thing about her. This is true, I've got a massive hair crush on her. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to put it out right now. <laughs> 
I love her hair, which is such a stupid thing to say. But I think, you know, why not? She's a very talented player as well, by the way, and definitely one to watch. And she's got flame red hair behind her, and I just think awesome. And, of course, she got an England call-up, a surprise call-up, really, I think, um, for the squad to face Norway. As well as that big void of hair that we wanted to talk about, there's a big void as well left by Nikita Paris. Who's going to get her goals, Carrie? I don't know. I'm... I'm slightly worried about Man City this season because even though they've got that kind of core of England players in the first uh, first 11, they've never had that much strength and depth. They've often kind of been short on the bench in terms of substitutes. And that's quite a lot of players moving out. They've got some, you know, some people who are extending their contracts like, um, like Karen Bardsley. But in terms of kind of hitting the ground running and being able to compete with more settled squads like Arsenal's, I'm I'm not quite sure that's going to happen. I guess a lot of this pressure is going to fall on Lauren Hemp's shoulders, isn't it? To, to and, perhaps chip in and get more goals. And also Janine Becky as well. You know, both were limited, weren't they, in opportunities last season, but they're going to have to step up to it because there's no Ellen White, of course, for the beginning of the season. And that could see a change in formation as well with, with Ellen White missing. Obviously, she would play down the middle now, uh, given her performances for England when she comes back. But I think they might just tamper a little bit and Nick Cushing could, could give Lauren Hemp more of a, a, a starting chance each time. I think she's going to be a regular with, with Ellen out, isn't she? Well, as much as we could continue to rattle on here in the studio about Manchester City, better still that we speak to one of their players, England Lioness and goalkeeper Karen Bardsley, injured at the moment, but has uh, been speaking to producer Abby. Karen, you're injured, but how is the uh, recovery process going? <laughs> yeah, it's going, it's going okay. It's a bit of a pain in the butt at the minute, um, to be honest. But um, yeah, it's more of a nuisance than anything else. It's just going to be kind of a, a waiting game for, you know, a few weeks. And then hopefully I can start making some good progress in the next uh, six to eight weeks, maybe. Well, we uh, yeah look forward to having you back on the pitch for sure. I don't know how much of preseason you've seen from the sort of the, the medic room, but how is it going for the rest of the team? Yeah, to be to be honest, I've spent some time back in the States with my family for some personal reasons, and um, I haven't been able to be a part of all of the preseason with the girls. But from what I've seen, you know, when they were in the States and, you know, there were some really good results and some really good football. But I think everyone's just kind of meshing together. You know, as you said earlier, like we've we've lost some big characters and some big names. So, you know, I think at the minute it's just trying to make sure that we become cohesive as a unit and we try to build our relationships the best that we can. So um, I think that's kind of what we're focusing on at the moment. And obviously um, just making sure that we're all on the same page come come Derby Day. <laughs> well, speaking of Derby Day, you do have new rivals and new kids on the block, Manchester United. Is that giving the team extra motivation for the, for the new season? I think everyone's really excited. I think there's a, a really exciting buzz in the community, not, not just in in Manchester City, but in 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 the town itself, about you know um, the build up to this game and you know the historic impact that it can have, and and hopefully going forward it'll it'll set a precedent for domestic attendances as well. So I think everyone's really excited to finally have this on the women's side, and obviously um, United have made some big signings as well. So I think. Um, It'll be a tough game. It'll be a tough game. And, you know, the team that kind of manages the occasion will probably come out on top. So it'll be it'll be a good one. We're certainly looking forward to that one uh, this weekend. To round off, I, I have a question for you that I've sort of been thinking about ever since the World Cup. And uh, it's a quote that you said during during the tournament. You said that you want to make goalkeeping sexy. How do you plan <laughs> about doing that? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> well, I don't have to do much, do I? No, um, just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, 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 leave it there. Leave it there. It's brilliant. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I think it's about making the position, you know, something exciting, making the position something desirable that people want to be a part of, you know, talking about it in, in an exciting manner, you know, making great saves, like just kind of redefining what it is to be a goalkeeper. And I think the future of, of women's goalkeeping from what I see is, you know, essentially we'll be, you know, shot stoppers, but we'll be, you know, holding midfields in the back. <laughs> uh, that's kind of where I see it going. And ideally that's what we want. We want more people that want to play in the position and it deserves more respect. So hopefully they come hand in hand and, and we'll continue to develop more goalkeepers in England. That was Karen Bardsley speaking with producer Abby. Great to get some insight from her. But from Manchester City, next we go on to... Chelsea. Emma Hayes is the boss woman in here. 
and the boss woman she is. Another club for those recognisable names. Erin Cuthbert, Millie Bright, Fran Kirby. Of course, the names that immediately leap off the page. Uh, new signing, Guru Wright, and the only new arrival, really. Really impressed us at the World Cup. And what an exciting prospect. Uh, just tell us a bit more about her, Carrie. So, Guru Wright, obviously a Norwegian international. Uh, she's kind of made half a century of appearances for her country now. And she's spent most of her career previously already in Scandinavia. So, coming over to England for Chelsea, slotting in there. It's going to be interesting to see how she copes with that, which I'm sure she will. She's a fantastic midfielder. And yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Chelsea do cope with this season. Again, not that many additions. They've lost Kaz Carney, uh, probably most importantly, who's obviously you know, a great talisman, even if she wasn't playing all the time. So yeah, Wrighton's going to be a, a fantastic addition, addition to the WSL. Chelsea can also concentrate purely on the league because they haven't got Champions League football. Uh, they were European semi-finalists last season and came third, didn't they, in the league? So with that focus now solely on, on trying to get back into that, those European spots, uh, do you think that they can make up that gap? I don't know. Um, I, I can't see Emma Hayes kind of saying, oh, let's just concentrate on the league. She'll want to win the Cups as well and she won't be happy that they haven't got Champions League this season. But... Um, there's no reason why they shouldn't be up the top. But the thing about WSL, because of the way the fixture lists are, because of the injuries that occur during the international breaks, there's always kind of some upsets. There's kind of topsy-turviness. There's a lack of consistency. So Chelsea could hit the ground running and be right up there right from the start, or they could fall behind in those first couple of games and find it difficult to make up that ground. But then so could anybody. So the best person to speak to about all things Chelsea is a current Chelsea player. We've got Chelsea defender Anita Asante on the line, and she's taking a break from the gym, especially for us, Kate. I love this, Anita. Thank you so much for joining us. I'd like to imagine that you've toweled down your bench press sitting on the end of your weightlifting machine or as you can tell I've got no experience no I, I think we should move on um <laughs> pre-season Anita can you just talk us through what's yeah. been happening at the club I know that Roman Abramovich it was at his request for you to go to Israel so what was that like yeah it was an amazing experience just to go out to Israel for many of us the first time experience some of the culture and all the amazing projects they have going on for especially young girls from Israeli Jewish backgrounds as well as Arab and Palestinian backgrounds. It sounds fascinating. Just tell us about where you are as a team, whether you're clicking together and what your hopes are for this season, because it's fair to say, isn't it, that the team will be starting off, I suppose, more more consistently than, than the start of last season when Emma was coming back from maternity and admits herself, actually, that, that she was a bit all over the place with it, trying to adjust back in to coaching again. So tell us where the team are right now in terms of mental and, and you know, physically preparing for the new season ahead? Yeah, I think in both aspects, both mentally and physically, we're in a really good place. You know, we haven't had many changes to the squad. We've had, you know, one addition with Guru from Norway joining us. And during our pre-season, we, we've been able to work on some new, new changes and implement some new things that I think are going to make us even stronger. But even among our staff, you know, we have a lot of uh, new things going on here that's going to sort of get, gain us some small margins uh, both individually and collectively and I think everyone in the squad has responded really well to the changes and is super excited to just kick off the season. Do you think that it could be that consistency of only having to introduce Guru to the team that that could be your asset here that you haven't got so many just trying to to state their claim? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, we have enough quality and depth within the squad and it's easier now to sort of um, introduce her to, to to our playing style and, and it'll be much quicker transition for her to get to know all the players in the team. And ha- having fewer changes has allowed us to really just kind of develop further the relationships we have between each other on the on the pitch. Just a small game to start the season off with, Anita, at Stamford Bridge. We'll be there, Anita. Against Spurs. We'll be there as well. We are so looking forward to it. Is the team pumped for this one? I mean, does this kind of fixture really, really announce where Chelsea and where women's football is going this season? Yeah, 100%. I think everyone in the club is just so excited to kick off the, the, you know, the season opener, but also playing at Stamford Bridge. It's, you know... Uh, an iconic stadium and it's going to be incredible to just welcome so many of our supporters and general supporters of the women's game and it's you know testament to the growth of the game uh, as we've seen during the summer and the world cup 
that the interest has peaked and people really want to get out and support women's football um, as a whole. I know that you've got those cameras following you around from Netflix at the moment, Anita. So can you reassure all the Chelsea fans before you go that you're not going to do a Sunderland? (laughs) (laughs) I would like to reassure everyone, but I can't. No, um, (laughs) it's it's a really cool, really different experience for most of us in the squad to have them around 24-7. And I think at the beginning, you know, you're a little bit aware, of course, of, of the cameras and being at best behaviour. But as the time's gone on, you, we kind of, you don't even realise they're there. And um, so I feel it's going to be really exciting when it comes out because really people are going to get to see a real organic, uh, you know, Chelsea and how we are as players, how we are as, as a collective within the club. Anita Asante, Chelsea defender there. I'll tell you what, if they get to the point where they don't realise that those cameras are around, that's going to make great viewing. It's going to be amazing. Uh, I'm so hyped for that now. <laughs> when she says they're not on their best behaviour anymore. What's going to happen? An insight, <laughs> indeed. That Chelsea documentary um, will no doubt be out uh, at some point next year. Uh, one more title challenger to look at then. And for those who don't know their WSL, it may come as a bit of a surprise. Birmingham City, the team who came fourth last season. Carrie, why are Birmingham a step above the other kind of middle-ranked sides? Birmingham are a really interesting case study of a WSL club. So they've kind of run independently uh, from the men's club, although they are kind of linked. But they've had problems over kind of the past three or four years in terms of funding, in terms of being full-time, in terms of being able to access facilities. And so it's only really kind of in the past kind of six months to a year that they've really seem to have got things sorted, pulled things together, and being able to compete at the top level full-time with the big with the big sides really so yeah I mean in terms of their squad this season they've lost some big players again obviously they they tend to get raided quite a lot don't they and I think Mark Skinner when he was there managed to hold on to a couple of very key players for them but now that they've gone one of those being Ellen White by the way he's gone and he's gone as Mm. well I worry a little bit for Birmingham, should I be? I think you're right to have a little bit of concern there. Yes, obviously lost Ellen White, lost Aoife Mannion. And yes, they do get raided because obviously other clubs do have kind of slightly more alluring setups in, in, in the way that they operate. And that's just the kind of the way a WSL is at the moment. But I think that they've made some sensible signings, not necessarily some big names, but people who will fit into the squad, who will fight for the, for, the, for the club shirt. And we'll see how they go. And uh, funny that Birmingham have tended to go for the American players. You know, you see certain teams and we've seen a lot of Dutch players going in at Arsenal and and you see those little trends. But for Birmingham, they've decided to look at America. Yeah, they've gone over to the universities, find some of the top players there. And I think that's probably quite a sensible way to go, kind of build from from, from the bottom up to to get young players who are going to fit into a system rather than big names that you're going to build a team around. Adrienne Jordan is one of those players, defender. She actually comes from Italy, but she's um, really played uh, most of all in the USA. She's so she's an under-23 player for them. She's played for Colorado Pride, Chicago Red Stars, and a couple of others as well. So a couple of signings to look out for. Rebecca Holloway has come from Nashville Rhythm into Birmingham. I think my main issue with them is that there are so many new signings that we don't really know about, that we don't really know what we're going to get from Birmingham this season, and who Who's going to plug that gap left by Ellen White? Absolutely. I think they could be champion contenders, but easily they could be fighting relegation as well. It will be interesting to see where they finish. You're listening to the Offside Rule, WSL edition from Muddy Knees Media. Well, let's hear about the new WSL kids on the block. First up, Manchester United. So a huge side in the men's game, barely a year old in the women's. They did so well last season to get promoted. Casey Stoney, who's a former England international, former England captain, is in charge. Uh, She led them to that championship crown with real style. They only lost one match along the way. But this is going to be a completely different challenge, isn't it, Harry? It is. Um, I saw them a couple of times live last season and obviously they were dominant. I didn't think they were actually that good necessarily I think that from the players that they had obviously they were always going to beat the kind of the part-timers in the championship but 
I will be interested to see how they cope week in, week out against other professionals. And I was very surprised um, at one of the big losses. Their captain, Alex Greenwood, went to Leon um, just before kind of pre-season really kicked in. Yeah, I think that that was an offer she couldn't turn down, really. And I think Casey understands that. As to how much game time Alex is going to get over in Leon, we don't know. But I feel it was an opportunity she had to take while she had it. She'd be probably crazy not to but there are some really good signings I mean Casey Stoney and her team have done really well to capture some great names here Abby McManus from Manchester City Jackie Groening from Frankfurt Hayley Ladd uh, from Birmingham Jane Ross has come in from West Ham and Mary Earps from Wolfsburg as well uh, who of those players excites you and are they the key then Carrie to making this team step up a level because I think arguably last season I was impressed by their fitness and their agility certainly Casey's got them working hard behind the scenes there but you're right about it not quite knitting together to produce mm. moments of good you know exceptional skill and that's what we need to see more we need to see that that kind of exceptional level don't we yeah um i mean the fitness i mean that should be kind of taken as red really when you're training every day and the other people are only playing um training two times a week jackie groening is the um signing that i'm most excited about for man united one of those wonderful dutch players and i'm interested that they announced her so early in the summer mm. before actually confirming the signing i, I believe she grew up as a man united United fans, so she was really excited for it to happen. And yeah, it'll be fantastic to have her in, in, in the league. And yeah, Abby McManus crossing the city, which happens kind of more often in women's football than it does in the men's game. It's always a bit of a shock. Uh, it, when you see someone's going from City to United or Liverpool to Everton, it's always a bit of a surprise. But um, yeah, I shall be interested to see how this knits together. And again, obviously, Mary Earps coming in um, to, to keep goal. And that is the perfect segue, because speaking of a goalkeeper coming in, let's talk to a goalkeeper currently at Manchester United, Siobhan Chamberlain. Siobhan, exciting times for you as well. Congratulations from the offside rule on your pregnancy. Thank you very much. I feel that with you and Lee as parents, this is going to be one long-legged baby. I'm priming them up for a, for a goalkeeper role in the future already. Yeah, potentially. But as a goalkeeper, you don't really get that much glory. So I'm either <laughs> going for a centre forward or we might go on a sport that makes a hell of a lot more money. Maybe Maybe golf. <laughs> oh my goodness I feel Siobhan Chamberlain might be a tiger mum in the making um, <laughs> alright well listen you're you're still really involved with the, with the team I know that you're doing non-impact stuff but still very much around the team and exciting times as well with the players that you've signed one of whom is Mary Earps who's come in from Wolfsburg just tell us how Mary's settling in yeah well Mary's a very bubbly character anyway so she kind of gets on with everyone in an instant and it is really easy to get on with which is great and it's a it's a great squad that we've got here and everyone's made everyone feel so welcome. All the new players coming in have settled in really easily and it's kind of like they, they've been here for forever. It's a credit to the players that we've yeah. got here and also a credit to the players that have come in That and, and I suppose Casey as well for, for recruiting well and, and players that will integrate really well into our group. And Casey's always been great at that and also having senior members within her team like yourself Team bonding, team unity is really important for her. And I know she's got you all working hard as well. With that in mind and the, and the signings she's made, what are the ambitions for the club this season? It's our first season, so it's always it's always a bit of a difficult one. It's kind of, you want to come in, you want, you want to win every game. And that's what every team in the league will tell you they want to win every game. But it's about kind of being realistic. We want to get a good start, but we've got an incredibly tough game to open with and then our first home game is a very difficult one as well against the champions Arsenal so it is a difficult league to be in and it's getting stronger and stronger every year but as Manchester United you've got that kind of pressure to perform and that pressure to get results instantly so we know how good we are but we also know kind of not to not to go too far with we need to win this we need to win that we need to go out there, we need to perform well, we need to do ourselves and the club proud and to perform to the best of our abilities and hopefully then the results will take care of themselves. Yeah, and as you've said, with those first two fixtures, you're going to have to hit the ground running as well, which is exciting and motivating. A player who, who you've lost though, Alex Greenwood's headed over to Leon. Who might replace her as captain? Have, has there been any um, mutings yet? Because I don't think we've heard yet, have we? No, well, we've we've got a lot of leaders within the squad. I know there's been a lot of said about kind of that there's not a lot, it's a very young team, but within that, there are a lot of leaders. And I think there's not been any 
decision necessarily made as of yet but I think it's an opportunity for everybody to step up and whoever is made captain in the end will have a lot of people supporting her because there's there is a lot of leaders within the group and the Manchester derby is your first fixture just a little bit from you Shiv on the excitement ahead of that because it is a cracking fixture to get started with oh it's, a, it's an amazing fixture and I'm incredibly jealous that I can't be out on the pitch <laughs> playing but I'll be number one cheerleader a Manchester derby like kind of that's that's the biggest biggest game for us to start with and then to be playing at the Etihad and we've heard of a rumour that there might be quite a lot of the Barmy army coming to watch which is fantastic <laughs> and if we can try and get the Etihad as red as possible it'll be a great boost to all of our players. Siobhan Chamberlain, Manchester United goalkeeper there. And that's going to be a huge match, isn't it? That Manchester United derby, wetting the appetites for all fans and hopefully attracting some new ones along the way. Uh, Speaking of which, Tottenham Hotspur next. Not only do we have a Manchester derby, we have a North London 1-2 to look forward to. Uh, By pre-season results, you'd think it's it's not going to be so competitive from them. They they lost 6-0 to Arsenal. However, they did narrowly beat West Ham. So it could be one of those topsy-turvy sides where we don't know what we're going to get. What do you think, Carrie? So Tottenham have basically completely turned their squad over since they got promoted last season. Much of that promotion winning squad has gone and they've brought in some more experienced pros. So they've got uh, Gemma Davison, uh, for example, the former England international, uh, Chloe Peplow, uh, Siri Worm coming in from Everton. So these are going to be players with much more WSL experience who know what it takes to play at this level. I'm not sure how well they've gelled yet. I'm not going to put any store into a 6-0 defeat by Arsenal in pre-season because it's pre-season. But yeah, they're going to have to really buck up their ideas quickly. It's like with any football team, though. You have to see and identify where the goals are going to come from. And you would say that the signing of striker Kit Graham, that could be the key one. Oh, the Kit Graham signing was intriguing. So Kit Graham has been at Charlton for like ever Mm. and scores like eight goals every week. And every time Charlton tweet their goal, oh, it's Kit Graham again. And uh, yeah, they announced her signing and Charlton seemed quite surprised by it. It was quite interesting that Charlton didn't seem to know that she was going to be moving to Spurs. And obviously you can understand why she as a player would go for the chance of WSL football. But uh, yeah, it seems to have been done in quite a surprising way for the club. Anyone else stand out for you, Carrie? Gemma Davison. I mean... I've always enjoyed watching her. What a fantastic player she is. And I'm sad that her international career never really took off in the way that I thought it was going to. But it's great to see her back. She's such an exceptionally gifted, talented player. And I think skill-wise, I really think that hardly anyone matches her at all. My only concern with her play, and I think that's what limited her for England, was the tracking back sense. Mm. She's that player that needs that freedom to go forward, but she isn't necessarily going to do the job of getting back and defending all the time. And that maybe has been a a hindrance. Perhaps. But as you say, there's no one as skillful as her on the ball. There's no one who does the attacking things that she does. And so I just think that's a really exceptional thing to have in WSL. Yeah, and she offers something exciting to that Spurs side as well. All right, that's the new teams taken care of. What about those who are in the solid middle set? Hi, I'm Emma. And I'm Jeffers. And we host the Series Linked podcast, all about the telly that's both on and in demand. We're able to tell you what you should be watching and what might be worth a swerve. Previous guests include Simon Cowell, Susanna Reid and Ricky Gervais. We speak to some of the biggest names in telly. Plus, we're compiling a definitive list of the box sets to watch before you die. Search for Series Linked on your preferred podcast app. The podcast for TV fans, by TV fans. Let's talk about my Liverpool side. They finished eighth last year. They are a mid-table side. They definitely are. And that may come as a surprise, I suppose, to people who aren't as au fait with women's football, who are sort of coming into this fairly new off the back of the Women's World Cup. They had huge success. In fact, They've got great history, Liverpool women, and it's almost quite sad what's happened to the team. Back-to-back titles in 2013 and 2014, uh, made the Champions League, and then it just really fell away. They were the ones to topple Arsenal. Arsenal, who dominated for so long, it was Liverpool. I think you can start to get excited again. And the reason that I say that is that I think Liverpool women are starting to be treated very differently. Like, we just see that from the fact that they went on that same US tour as the men's pre-season. There's been those shots in the dressing rooms as well that they're clearly being treated differently and that has to then I think leak through onto the pitch and the performances that we see 
I do want to mention the coach, Vicky Jepsen, not just her, but the fact that there's there's eight females now in the WSL, which is brilliant. Eight female coaches and the, and the quality of female coaches coming through. She's a real great asset. She's definitely kept this squad gel together. And I think they've got real firepower. What do you think, Carrie? Because, I mean, you look at Baba Jide and Courtney Sweetman-Kirk. There are goals to be had in this team. Courtney Sweetman-Kirk, again, is one of the most clinical strikers I've seen in the women's game in England in the past few years. And, yeah, I think Liverpool might surprise us this season Kate so you'll be pleased to know that yeah I think I think it has to get better. They've also, of course, got Melissa Lawley, who's come in from Manchester City. Mm-hmm. So really good experience shoring things up. They've got the f- former England international Jess Clark at the side she as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Who will provide those goals uh, with Courtney Sweetman-Kirk. I'm interested to see what happens. And I think they certainly look a lot more settled than at this stage last season, of course, with the arrival of Vicky Jepsen in October. So good things, I hope. A little fact for you, by the way, on uh, one of their strikers who you've mentioned already, Baba Jide, who rose to media recognition in 2016 after scoring 14 goals <laughs> wow. for the University of East London women's football team in an amateur game, which ended up with a final score of what? Quick quiz for you. Oh, gosh. I mean, we're talking double figures already if it's 14. So let's go for 20. They played University College London and their women's football side. The final score was 40 nil. <laughs> Oh dear. Let's hope we don't see a 40 nil in the WSL this no, season. It wouldn't do any good. An early tip though, Sweetman Kirk. I think she could be the top scorer yes. in the WSL this season. Interesting points. Okay, well, let's swiftly move on to Reading and a couple of lines from you on this side, Carrie. I think Reading are kind of like the sleeper squad of the WSL. They haven't really kind of set the world on fire, but never have they really looked like they might go down. They've kind of been very, very solid. I think that's a really under underestimated quality in WSL because it's a small uh, small league. And there is the risk of relegation. Uh, it's difficult to find consistency, but they've got a squad built around kind of the experience of Farrah Williams primarily. And I think they've, but again, I think they'll do reasonably well this season. They're not going to tear up any, anything, but they're going to probably finish fifth. We don't know the extent of Jade Moore's injury yet. So she came out of the England squad. We know for these friendlies, um, I think she'll be a huge miss if that's going to take uh, maybe a few weeks for, to get her back. We don't know how long. Kirsty Pierce, I just wanted to mention her because she was the club captain for years and years, former captain. She's become general manager after mm. retiring. And I love it when clubs do that and they, they keep their influential players as part of the background staff. Um, I think that could be could be huge for them, this sort of club attitude yeah. um, and see them do well. I, I don't think they'll go down. Joe Potter as well, one to just single out. Again, lots of experience there. I think the side is to be credited for the fact that Kelly Chambers, who's been in various roles since the club was conceived, I was going to say formed in 2006, she is now the manager there. And actually, you know, testament to the fact that you never really know what you're going to get from Reading, but they always seem to be okay. Bristol City, Carrie, your thoughts on this side? Again, a squad that's kind of had a bit of a clear out and made a few sensible signings. They've got in a couple from Birmingham. They've got in Charlie Wellings, uh, for example. I think she'll be a good signing for them. Also, an interesting one, um, Ebony Salmon coming in from Manchester United. But they've also kind of uh, lost a couple to Tottenham. And so, again, it's going to be seeing how this squad balances out to see how they actually fit together. Again, they're not going to set the world alight but again solid I think they're not going to be they're not going to be relegated their first game of the season uh, against Brighton at Ashton Gate so another good one to start with it's lovely and I'm really pleased that uh, Bristol City do seem to be working really closely with the men's side now Um, they were Bristol Academy a couple of years ago and they're slightly more independently and now they're working closely with the men's club and they have this kind of showpiece game at Ashton Gate one of the very established managers in the WSL now heads up West Ham ladies Matt Beard been around for a very long time I've known him for quite a few years a really really good coach to have Um, and one of the players that I wanted to talk about at West Ham which will feel like a new signing for him because I'm very excited about seeing her is Tessel Middag Mm. a Dutch international now she never played last season even though she was there because she had an ACL injury I think that's another sideline about ACLs in the WSL that there's way too many of them but she's nearing full fitness it's going to feel like a whole new signing for him Um, she's going to be playing number 23 because she was down as number 6 last year but she did say it's a retired shirt in the men's team for Bobby Moore I don't want to touch it so she's she's moved to number 23 which is cool um, and, I, and I thought that with Matt's side here I was a little bit surprised in the preseason friendly they lost to Spurs because if you were taking the Spurs women's side and his West Ham team 
they look quite superior. But was that a match where he just tried out quite a lot of the new signings? I think he's been quite experimental in pre-season. Again, I mean, the Matt Beard's uh, reputation in the game means that he's attracted a lot of players to the club and has done uh, during his tenure so far. And so, again, it's been a little bit topsy-turvy. New signings, trying out new things. So, yes, I don't think we set too much store against that Spurs result. We can't talk about West Ham without mentioning their new Australian forward, Jacinta Galabalarachi. Jacinta Galabalarachi. She's going to be a commentator's favourite, isn't she? There are, I think we need to way, give her a nickname. Yeah. Galabad. There are 12, I think 13, 14, 15, something like 16 letters. Uh, It'd be a high scorer in Scrabble. Good luck to the shirt printers. Uh, she's arrived from Perth, glory. Also, of course, for those new fans of the WSL, don't forget West Ham reached the Women's FA Cup final last year, so something nice for them to build on. Another team as well that will be playing in the men's stadium. They'll be playing at the London Stadium at the end of September against Spurs. Only two more teams to discuss then, so we'll be looking towards the bottom, I fear. Uh, Hope Pals Brighton. Do you think this is going to be a relegation scrap for them? I think it probably is. Um, Brighton have got a fantastic setup, and Hope Pals done wonders as she usually does. There's not a huge amount of money swilling about there, but th- she's made sensible signings. There's the, again the core of the squad there. There's contracts extensions to make sure they've kept the same players from last season that's, that have been doing them proud so far. They haven't got rid of too many. So, yeah, this is going to be basically the same squad with a couple of additions from last season. So it's going to be tough. But, you know, they're, they're not they're not a bad side. They just have slightly more limitations than some of the big, big clubs. What Hope Pal has been canny about is signing players from other European sides who appear to be quite exciting. We don't know too much about them yet, but some of them have appeared uh, in the unders for their countries. Let's take a quick look at them and actually all one-year contracts. So I'll ask you what you think about that in, in a moment, Carrie. But uh, Denise Kerdyke, she's a 23-year-old defender from Bristol City. So she played at Bristol for a couple of years, but she was out during uh, the Women's World Cup with the Netherlands side, didn't get an opportunity to play. But again, someone who could be really exciting. Mathilde Skovsen from Danish side Aarhus as well, 20, and a French midfielder, Leah Legarre. Uh, from Gingamp, she's been signed. 26-year-old has um, played at a pretty high level, actually, whilst at Paris Saint-Germain. So some exciting names to look out for. And actually, Hope Power will have seen more than us. But, you know, any of those players could provide something exciting for Brighton in terms of where they need to get their level to to try and be competitive in this league. Of course, and I think the one-year contracts are very sensible. So and I think it, 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 make, it makes sense. If you're, a, if you're a team like Brighton and you're expecting to maybe be down there in the relegation scrap, you're likely to be handing out one-year contracts because you don't know where you're going to be yeah. this time next year. You can't be sure you're going to be playing professional football this time next year because if you go down to the championship, you're likely to probably have to step down to semi pro again so yeah the one year contracts make absolute sense and finally Everton uh, for us to look at you have to worry a little for Willie Kirk here and the job that he's got to try and galvanise this team he's lost Siri Worm to Spurs which is going to be a huge loss you wonder about goals, I think, for Everton, where they're going to come from. And another massive concern is the fact that the attendances for the club just keep going down and down year on year. So collectively, what have they got to do, Carrie? And also, what sort of job has he got? It's going to be a really tough season for Everton, I think. And I think you're right that the attendances are probably the biggest worry as a kind of, as a kind of top line, because that's where the kind of future of women's football has got to be. You've got to be attracting people in. You've got to be making money that way if you're not getting kind of bankrolled by your men's club, which they are not. So without a lot of money to spend, without a lot of fans coming in, it's going to be a struggle. They finished ninth in the table last season and were really only not relegated because of the demise of Yeovil Town. So they they sort of scraped through. And apart from a run to the semi-finals in the Women's FA Cup the season before, they've not really shown us very much. I think it's worth saying that they were promoted up from WSL 2 to WSL 1 last season. So they were adjusting to life in the league. But this season, I think, will be just as tricky for them. And the quality of the teams that's come up, Tottenham and Manchester United, means that it, you know, it doesn't look great for them. And you look at those in terms of being rivals for them to try and stay in the league. And what, what have they all done? They've all made at least one marquee signing, haven't they? They've got the fans excited. And 
you look at that that about attendances and what's going to get bums on seats it's going to be exciting players and you look through the squad and not many will know too much about them and I think they've missed an open goal opportunity there where they could have brought in someone uh, maybe one of the older lionesses or I don't know just someone to get the whole club excited and and I feel like there's that's going to play a part this season is the fact that they don't have huge numbers quick shout for Olivia Chance who was one of our favourites during the World Cup as was it one of Gary Taphouse's favourites was it who was Olivia Chance with a chance <laughs> the New Zealand international uh, hard not to commentate a match with Olivia Chance unless she has a chance of course to make that work <laughs> Kika Van Es as well um, I think that is the canny acquisition of this window for Everton uh, Dutch international 57 caps uh, started all the games that led to Netherlands winning Euro 2017 signed during the Women's World Cup but, so, but we didn't really see much of her at the World Cup no and the side still lacking some firepower. All right, well, it's not all about the WSL on this show. The international players are on duty at the moment as well, and we'll be talking about that next. On Spotify, smart speakers and podcast platforms everywhere, this is the Offside Rule WSL edition. Before we end the show, it is international week as well. England have been in action. First up, a very laborious three-all draw with Belgium, which has left lots of question marks over that performance. Tuesday, though, sees them take on Norway, a World Cup quarter-final rerun. Well, you hope Norway's going to be better than Belgium. But here with all the details, let's ask a man in the know, women's football writer for Our Game magazine, These Footy Times, and many, many more. What a busy guy, Rich Laverty. These two internationals coming just before the season gets underway, that seems really weird timing, doesn't it? Yeah, it does a little bit. I mean, we've spoken a lot about this with, with various players and managers um, in the last couple of weeks. And the kind of message has been, what can we do? You know, the FIFA windows are sort of set in stone and we have to start the league eventually. I think this year, obviously, with the World Cup, it probably would have started a little bit earlier. Um, and we'd have got a few games in, like in the men's game, which is now also broke up for international so it's a little bit annoying i mean i think about i think about the first game on saturday between man city and man united and they've got probably 48 hours with their players once they come back i mean they'll come back wednesday and they won't train so yeah, i'd imagine the yeah the first time casey and i mean nick god knows how many players nick's got in training this week it can't be any more than a couple so he's not going to see his players until 48 hours before the match. That could be a real disadvantage for them, actually. You know, if you've got internationals in in your squad, then you seem to be already sort of having to make up ground before the season's even began. I mean, let, let's talk about England, first of all, and those players that are coming back, because the England performances that we've seen, I know it was only a friendly, but it hasn't looked convincing since that semi-final defeat to USA. What what do you think explains the, the form at the moment? I think um, the defensive, <laughs> I th- yeah, I think the defensive, I think um, saying it's been like that since the USA game is generous. Um, I think it's been like that since Phil Neville came in, to be honest, in terms of defensively, I don't think we've ever looked particularly solid. It's always looked a little bit chaotic. And I don't know, I mean, Mark Samson favoured such a defence first approach that they became so solid. And, and, and Phil has obviously tried to open that up, tried to get the ball down, tried to play more attractive football. And obviously with that, you're going to be a little bit more open at the back. And I just don't think they've, they've settled into it yet. I mean, against Belgium, they look, you know, Belgium are not, not to disrespect them, but they're not a top team. And they look like a defence that just had never played together. They were getting in each other's way. They were rushing things. And I think, you know, nearly 18 months now into a project and it almost looked like it was their first game together and I think that's a massive worry. From what I've seen from Phil Neville's system, he does seem to want the players to go out from the centre of defence. So you would think that a player like Leah Williamson who does that week in, week out for Arsenal would be the best person to be the centrepiece of that defence. I absolutely agree and I think look, Steph's the captain but have Steph's performances warranted a a starting spot over Leah? Well, I think Leah Williamson and Aoife Mannion were the best two defenders in England last season. So you should say, well, are they the two that should be starting for England? I think Abby McManus at the moment is very fortunate to be in there, especially starting. I think Millie Bright, off the back of the World Cup, had, like I said, had a really tough tournament. And I think if, if Leah and Aoife are your best defenders, why not play them? Why are we sticking with loyalty? You know, Jodie Taylor started, but Jodie Taylor's form over the last 12, 18 months for a striker has been incredibly poor and you know Lucy Bronze in midfield you've you got to think of the young players coming through and mm. 
what must they be thinking? You know, well, why why are these players that are either playing out of position or are not playing well are still getting a chance over me just because they've been in the squad for a few years? Rich Laverty, their women's football journalist. Carrie, this has got to be really bad PR for Phil Neville, not just him personally, but also the Lionesses building up to Euro 2021. This isn't what we want to see, is it? It's not great, is it? I mean, having watched that match against Belgium and, you know... And, and dying slowly throughout it. <laughs> yes, slowly dying inside. <laughs> as I kind of sat there thinking, this is not great. You've built this up as the kind of big hype, you know, watch the Lionesses again after the World Cup. And I'm like... Do you remember how the World Cup finished? It wasn't, like Rich was saying, it wasn't that great. And that performance against Belgium was was not the kind of thing that is going to lure people in. And they're looking to break um, a ticket-selling record at Wembley for the match against Germany in November. And they're doing really well with selling tickets, but I don't think that performance against Belgium would have shifted any out of the it, box office. It isn't going to help, is it? Uh, just a quick look then at the other international fixtures with home interests and the qualifiers for Euro 2021. England, of course, don't need to qualify, but Wales and Scotland do. Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland also in action. But let's just focus on Wales, first of all. Tash Harding with a hat-trick versus the Faroe Islands 6-0 that one ended I think it's worth mentioning with her her confidence is sky high at the moment she's She's just been made captain at Reading and I think that you can see this with Tash Harding at the moment I would say be be wary because I think she's going to have a brilliant season both on the international stage and for Reading and also uh, an exciting time for 15 year old Carrie Jones a debut for her playing for Wales yeah and before she makes her debut for her club Cardiff um, and I thought it was lovely to see the rest of the Wales girls kind of tweeting posting on social media about how this isn't a publicity stunt it's not just to grab headlines she really deserves her place there so really exciting young player and you know, looking forward to seeing more of her in the future we touched on this earlier when we mentioned Kim Little scoring five goals. That came in a performance for Scotland. They were up against debutants in qualifying Cyprus. Uh, we weren't expecting huge things from them, but still an impressive scoreline being at 8-0 drubbing. I think that's all you really need to know about that Scotland performance, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's lovely to see uh, Caroline Weir and Lisa Evans link up in the way that they have been. And yeah, and just an absolutely dominant display from Kim Little. Uh, I did have kind of a sneaking pleasure seeing um, the NWSL, the American fans kind of tweeting out, we really miss Kim Little, I wish she had never left. And it's lovely to have her still still over here. A couple of other closing points here on the show today. Great news because you can watch every WSL match thanks to the FA player. Uh, you can download an app or watch online via the FA. Uh, you need to register first of all, but a great way to keep across all the action. Plus, for the first time ever, you can be abroad and watch the WSL too now because Sky Mexico and NENT, which covers the Scandinavian countries, they've bought the rights to the WSL in a six-figure deal. Some great commercial news there for the FA. And that's fantastic. And to get you started, these are the first fixtures. This is what they're looking like on that opening weekend. Chelsea versus Spurs. Birmingham versus Everton. Liverpool host Reading. Arsenal host West Ham. It's the Manchester derby with City against United. And Bristol take on Brighton. So out of all of those, Carrie, which one do you think will be the game to light up the opening weekend of the WSL season? I would imagine that Arsenal are going to put on a show. The first, first match back against London rival. Yeah, and that's the match I'm going to be at. So uh, fingers crossed that'll be the good one. Oh, well, we're going to be at Chelsea Spurs. Uh, Looking forward to that one. Well, that's it, folks, for this very first episode of the Offside Rule WSL edition. Carrie, thank you so much for your contributions. Your new book, by the way, Pride of the Lionesses, out 7th of October and we'll be hearing a lot more from you throughout the season and thank you as well to everyone who's been listening we'll be back again the same time next week thank you Carrie bye bye you've been listening to the Offside Rule WSL edition a Muddy Knees Media production for sales and advertising please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com and for more from the Offside Rule head to our website offsiderulepodcast.com <laughs>